0: I often talk to people about this in terms of, you know, what are the members interested in? They're interested in what their constituents are thinking. You know, the senators from Minnesota want to hear from people from Minnesota. People from Illinois want to hear from people from Illinois. And that's not surprising because they're representing them in Washington, D.C.
1: Hello and welcome to Lakes Chat, the show that dives into all things Great Lakes. I'm your host, Jennifer Kadik with the Alliance for the Great Lakes. In today's episode, we're talking with Don Jodry, the Alliance's Director of Federal Government Relations, to get an update on what's happening on Great Lakes policy in Washington, D.C. Before we get the conversation started, I will note that we're taping this chat about a week before it'll drop and news is moving fast. Our conversation today is focused on the big picture of Great Lakes policy in Washington, DC, but current events may well come up. So please remember that things may have changed by the time you hear this podcast. Hello, and welcome to Lakes Chat, the show that dives into all things Great Lakes. I'm your host, Jennifer Kadic with the Alliance for the Great Lakes. In today's episode, we're talking with Don Jodry, the Alliance's Director of Federal Government Relations to get an update on what's happening on Great Lakes policy in Washington, D.C. Before we get the conversation started, I will note that we're taping this chat about a week before it'll drop and news is moving fast. Our conversation today is focused on the big picture of Great Lakes policy in Washington, D.C., but current events may well come up, so please remember that things may have changed by the time you hear this podcast. So hi, Don. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Hey, good afternoon, John. It's really great to be here. I'm really happy to talk about the Great Lakes and how we're doing in Congress and Washington and all that. Great.
1: Well, it's been a busy year already um, for the Great Lakes, and we've had a bunch of big news coming out of Washington. So let's start off with a bit of a recap. Um, And we'll start back in January when the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers announced some really important funding for efforts to stop invasive carp. Tell us a little bit about what that was all about.
0: Sure. Yeah last year was really transformational for the great lakes you know we had big investments in the infrastructure bill for the great lakes in terms of drinking water infrastructure and the great lakes restoration initiative um one of the things that kind of was under the radar for a lot of people was that the army corps of engineers got a lot of money in the infrastructure bill as well and they got 1.9 billion dollars to invest in aquatic ecosystems and they had to produce a work plan for congress on how they were going to spend that money they had some discretion on what they could do And they were looking around the country and they picked out the Brandon Road project, Lock and Dam in Joliet, Illinois, as the recipient of $226 million. Now, what is this project? This project is basically a series of technological measures that the Army Corps is implementing for the first time to try to stop the spread of Asian carp from the Illinois River into the Great Lakes ecosystem. And Brandon Road is the choke point where several tributaries come together, and the Army Corps is implementing, as I said, things in, it's an existing lock and dam that handles navigation traffic, and they're implementing a series of measures underwater to stop the spread of this harmful invasive aquatic species. So what does the $226 million mean? Well, basically, the Army Corps uh, was directed to do this project by Congress. It was authorized a number of years ago, and the Corps is in the in the planning stages of the projects engineering and design to kind of try to finalize the design features before they proceed to construction in several years so the 226 million dollars finishes off all of their planning engineering and design costs and it basically allocates a big chunk of money almost 200 million dollars for the first phase of construction Now, when people are thinking about this project, how much is it gonna cost? Well, the current estimate for this project is $858 million. So 200 million is roughly 25% of the total construction cost. The other thing about this that's really kind of neat, I guess, is that this is the first time that I've seen the Army Corps of Engineers allocate money for a project that hasn't finished project engineering design before they're ready to construct it. And that, to me, tells me that this project which is integral to stopping invasive carp, is a high administration priority. And I think we all should be really thankful for that, as well as grateful. And there are many folks in Congress who made this possible, as well as in the administration. But I think this is a really good thing. And it's not something that we really focused on last year, but it's, it's something the Army Corps of Engineers did in January. So it was a great way to start off uh, this year, I think.
1: It's always great to start off with good news for once, right? Um, so that's certainly a huge boost for efforts to stop invasive carp. Um, and then back in, well, just a, a month or so ago, in mid-February, President Biden made a big trip to um, Ohio, stopped in Cleveland and Lorain, Ohio, and he announced $1 billion, billion dollars—billion with a B, in new funding for Great Lakes restoration. So tell us a little bit of what that was about.
0: Well, again, you know that was all about celebrating the success we had last year in terms of getting funding in the infrastructure bill for the Great Lakes. You know, we at the Alliance, along with numerous other organizations uh, around the region, had advocated to Congress as they considered the infrastructure bill that they should consider including an additional billion dollars for the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, which is a which is a program that's funded in EPA. It was established in the early two thousands, and it deals with sort of Um, removing um, toxic sediments, dealing with these, they're known as areas of concern, areas around the lake that have been, um, have historic legacy pollution from the industry that was around the Great Lakes, as well as habitat restoration, invasive exotics, a whole host of things. And so President Biden was, uh, was in the region to talk about how the additional billion dollars that we secured in the infrastructure bill would go towards cleaning up this legacy pollution in these areas of concern. And so there's about I believe, 19 of these areas remaining um, around the U.S. and Canada. And the funding, the billion dollars, is going to clean up all but three of them in terms of um, get the areas remediated so that they are now um, safe for humans and wildlife. And, you know, we'll see a renewal in these areas. Many of them are along the waterfront around the Great Lakes. So it was a really nice thing for, for the president to come and kind of lift up this program and all the good work it's done over the years and really push it along towards completion. Um, The program is only authorized at 400 million a year, so that funding level really isn't sufficient to deal with these legacy um, toxic pollution. So the billion dollars is really gonna push us along towards cleaning those areas up and, and having a safer and healthier Great Lakes.
1: Yeah. And I know that cleaning up all that legacy pollution is just really expensive. And we talked about this on a prior episode with our CEO, Joel Bremeyer. Um, you know, and the idea that this, this, because it's so expensive, that part of the, the program had sort of languished a little bit. So this is a really important shot in the arm um, and can push along quite a few projects around the region to get rid of those, some, some of the worst contaminants around the whole Great Lakes. So Another exciting win for the lakes. This is great. So, and just earlier this month, um, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency released some new information, and this gets kind of wonky, but it's really important. So the U.S. EPA released new information about how the states should spend some of that water infrastructure money that was allocated in last year's big bipartisan infrastructure bill. Give us just a big picture view of why this news from the Environmental Protection Agency is really important for Great Lakes states.
0: Well, you know, these wonky memos um, are really important because this is government in action. You know, on the one hand, Congress appropriates these big lump sums of money like they did for water infrastructure, nearly $50 billion for drinking water and Clean Water State Revolving Fund and the replacement of lead service lines, as well as the identification and removal of um, forever chemicals. So what this wonky memo is, this is EPA's guidance to states on how to spend that money and how they should use it. And they kind of emphasize three main things. Um, One, in the infrastructure bill that Congress passed, nearly half of the money that they appropriated for water infrastructure is supposed to go to local communities and be made available to water utilities and others as grants or forgivable loans. In other words, there's no local match. So the EPA memo was kind of emphasizing that to really benefit disadvantaged communities and smaller communities that lack the funds, states really need to prioritize them for getting their fair share of money. And EPA is saying they expect that one half of the funding that states are getting is going to be given away without a a local match. In other words, it's really supposed to go towards low income and disadvantaged communities. So the second thing that the memo really emphasizes is needing to make progress on lead service line replacements. Um, The allocation of funding from EPA to states includes a chunk of money every year for the next five million For five years um, for states and communities to replace lead service lines and one of the things the memo is really emphasizing is you're not doing just a partial replacement you're going to replace the whole line and also again like the other infrastructure money it's supposed to be allocated without a local match again trying to reach um, disadvantaged, disadvantaged communities because lead service line replacement is very expensive. And then the third thing the memo was really emphasizing is the need to address these forever chemicals. Um, so really the memo is all about, you know, the states are implementing these programs and the memo is really emphasizing some of the goals that Congress established in the law in terms of the, um, the, the lack of a look, the the lack of local match requirements, as well as the need to address disadvantaged communities. So that's why it's an important um, guidance, if you will. And it's yeah. a great step to see EPA doing this. You know, they're really carrying out kind of these policy um, priorities of the bill.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a really important way to think about this. Of I love that government in action, right? Like we hear about the big bill getting passed by Congress, but there's still a lot of steps that happen between Congress, you know, appropriating money, the president signing a bill, and then it actually getting out into, in this case, the streets so we can replace the, you know, where construction workers are replacing a lead pipe, for instance. So still lots more to do to make sure that um, from an advocacy perspective, to make sure that those dollars are spent um, as, as Congress intended and as our communities need them.
0: To be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's all about accountability. And that's what the EPA guidance is doing. You know, EPA is going to be holding those um, states and local communities accountable. And Congress, in turn, will be having hearings on this to make sure that this gets done as well. So um, this is a really good thing. And it's, its again, you know, I can't forget how transformational that infrastructure bill was in terms of, of allocating this much money for water infrastructure for the next five years. It's truly a transformational moment. So I think EPA is doing its job, and I think we were very happy about that.
1: That's great. Um, And on that theme of accountability, um, you know, we certainly have had these three huge wins, and we're already just mid-March now, um, but there's always more to do, right? There's That's not gonna fix all of the Great Lakes problems um, in one fell swoop. And so I know just this past uh, couple weeks ago, you participated in an event called Great Lakes Days, which is a big annual event focused on policy in Washington, DC, where people from around the region go to sort of on one, day or two days um, go to washington this year it was virtual again um, to meet with elected officials so tell us a little bit more about Great Lakes days and and why what the event is and why it's held every year
0: yeah well great Lakes days is really an opportunity for the Healing our waters coalition and the alliance as a member of that um, to go to Washington and to talk to the members and representatives from the eight great lake states about what the priorities are for the great lakes And when I talk about the Healing Our Waters Coalition, I think I should just say that there are approximately 170 organizations that belong to this that are participating in these Great Lakes days, including the Alliance. And we take off a group of legislators and we go and we meet with them and talk about, you know, things that went well last year, but also things that still need to get done this year. And We talk about our funding priorities and our legislative priorities. And it's a really wonderful opportunity also to kind of connect legislators in Washington with their constituents and folks back home that may not get to Washington to meet with them very often. So, you know, I'm the Director of Federal Relations for the Alliance. I'm in touch with congressional offices every day. People know who I am. They know I'm a lobbyist. They know I'm not um, working in the field doing these programs. So what we try to get are program advocates and people who are actually working on the ground to implement some of these programs that Congress is funding. Um, so I think that's the beauty of Great Lakes Days. We bring kind of citizens to, to Washington and the members and representatives are hearing directly from them. And it's a great way to really tell our story.
1: That's great. Can you give us an example of like a couple of like what types of people do you bring? You know, like who who were in some of those meetings with you beyond just sort of, uh, you know, the usual staff like you who, who meet with elected
0: officials? Yeah, sure. So for us, Great Lakes Week, um, Great Lakes Days, you know, the alliance, we met solely with the Illinois Congressional Delegation, which is approximately 20 people, the two senators as well as the representatives. So we had all of those meetings and we assembled a a group of folks um, to go to each meeting, which we had virtually. And so here's some examples. Um, One of our representatives that we brought in from Chicago, um, his name is Matt Gallagher. He works at Half Acre Brewing Company. And so he's a beer maker. Why are we bringing someone who makes beer in Chicago to meet with the Illinois delegation? Well, to make beer, he needs clean water. He needs water that's free from microplastics, that's free from pollution. And he talked about the importance of some of the programs that Congress is funding to help him operate his business in downtown Chicago. Another person we brought was Anthena Gore, She's the director of policy at Elevate, which is a nonprofit also in the Chicago area. She had a very interesting personal story. She has, been, has had lead poisoning. So she mm-hmm. was talking about the importance of replacing lead service lines and testing and things like that to really try to prevent that and to also address some of these human health issues with lead service line replacement. And she tells a very compelling story about her work. She also talks a lot about water affordability, which is an issue that doesn't get a lot of attention in Washington at, at, at a micro level, because, you know, honestly people sort of forget that some people can't pay for their water. Water affordability is a huge problem nationwide. um, And there are some groups that are working on it and looking at it, but as of today, we do not have a dedicated program to help people with their water bills when they need that. And that is just, you know, like that's shameful, um, that we are allowing this to happen. And so one of our priorities at the Alliance is to really try to promote um a dedicated um program that's funded that helps people pay their water bills we've got some pilots underway but really there is a need there that needs to be addressed another person we had was justin williams from the metropolitan planning council also in chicago and he talked about lead service line replacement and kind of the need to kind of update the formula for how funds are allocated for lead service line replacement and this was an interesting development because I think a lot of people, um, you know, they're aware of these big chunks of money that Congress appropriated that we're allocating for water infrastructure. But one thing that people may not really realize is that it's allocated by a formula to states. And that formula is only adjusted every several years because EPA does what's called a national drinking water assessment, where they figure out where the needs are for drinking water funding. And then they develop a formula that allocates the money. Well, for the infrastructure bill, EPA allocated the first year of funding, the FY22 funding, based upon a formula that's three or four years old. And really what Justin was showing is that, you know, Illinois is being shortchanged, like several other Great Lakes states, where there are a lot of lead service lines in this region, but the funding is not allocated by need. It's allocated by a formula that doesn't really fully reflect lead service line needs. This will be fixed in the next iteration of the formula because EPA is working on the drinking water needs assessment right now, but it's something that wasn't fixed for the first allocation so. This this person was able to really talk about the need to update the formula and you know the Senate environment and public works committee is going to have a hearing on the formula. Um, and EPA is in the process of doing it, but those are the types of people we brought to the meetings to talk about kind of the on the ground implementation of these programs and, and where things need to be addressed that would make a difference. So that's kind of what we accomplished. And I felt really good about it. We were also able to talk about our funding priorities for next year, as well as some legislative priorities. So I felt like at the end of the week, we'd made some good progress and, you know, know, made some new allies. But also, most importantly, for our partners, it gave them a chance to come to Washington to talk about, you know, what they're doing on the ground and where they need help.
1: Yeah, I always, I've participated a few over the years, a couple of times in Great Lakes Days, and certainly it's a little different when it's all virtual, but, you know, it was always really exciting to have people from all eight Great Lakes states, you know, just sort of regular citizens, business owners, um, you know, going as a group to talk to lawmakers in, in Washington. And I'm sort of curious, you know, obviously you participated, you couldn't participate in Every regional meeting, but I know you talk a lot to our partners around the region who are also doing these kinds of visits. What's your general sense of the reception from lawmakers and their staff to this kind of event? Um, you know are they paying attention? Are Great Lakes and issues a priority for them?
0: Well they are paying attention and I do believe that for the Great Lakes members and representatives, this Great Lakes are a priority. Drinking water and wastewater um, and stormwater are a priority. The Great Lakes Restoration Initiative is a priority. Invasive exotic species are a priority. All the things that we talk about are a priority for the members from the Great Lakes. And I think they're they really appreciate having folks from the region come to Washington. You know, I think the beauty of this um, fly-in, and it was virtual this year for the Healing Our Waters Coalition, is they bring folks from the region to Washington. To talk to the members from the region about what's important back home. And I think it, I think everybody looks forward to it. I know that they feel um, educated and they feel sort of good that they're hearing directly from their constituents. It's kind of like what I say about, you know, when we talk to folks and our supporters about, you know, what matters most. I think representatives like to hear from people back home. There's nothing like it, you know, they can hear from me, but they know that I'm being paid by an organization. Um, and this is my work, they really want to hear from the people who are not doing this as part of their daily lives, but are are affected by things that they work on. So it really matters.
1: That's great. Um, You know, shifting a little bit, you know, obviously, the the news over the past couple weeks, and rightly so, and so much of the talk on on Capitol Hill and in Washington has been about the events in Ukraine. Um, And that's certainly taking up a lot of time for the administration and lawmakers' As it should, um, does do big breaking, you know, global events like that. Does this change the alliance's policy agenda at all?
0: You know, I mean, that's a that's a great question. Um, in the sense of, does it cause us to shift our parties? I don't think so. We're we're still focused on kind of what our parties are for the year. Um, it does affect our work in the sense of, you know, Congress gets busy doing other things. Um, but they still have to do their, their job. One of the things that, um, and although the Ukraine situation has really dominated the headlines and dominated kind of the discussion in Congress, they're still on track to having to pass a funding bill by the end of the week. You know, Government funding runs out on Friday, so the House has cobbled together a big omnibus bill for FY22, and it's probably going to pass. And so some of our priorities are in there and we're tracking that to see how it's doing. But Congress still has to get about the business of legislating other things, whether it's authorizing legislation or funding legislation. They still have to do it. So the Ukraine situation is dominating the news, and it does take up a lot of their time. But there still there still has to be a track for normal business, and so we still are working on things that are going that are less you know less in the headlines, um, and we're still having those conversations, and that that work still continues. So not it doesn't really change our priorities, I don't think. It makes yeah. us mindful of the overall things that Congress is dealing with.
1: For sure. And so looking a little bit to what's next, we've obviously had a big first quarter of 2022, which is great. Um, and I'm curious what, you know, we know that, you know, the president just did his State of the Union address. And so historically after that, typically in this time frame, the president will be releasing his budget for the administration, Congress is working its way through the appropriations process. What kinds of things are we going to be looking for in the coming weeks um, that are going to be important for the Great Lakes?
0: Well, you know, the president's budget will be coming out sometime in March. It's a little delayed this year. And I think part of that is the result of, you know, the ongoing COVID situation, but also maybe perhaps the news in Ukraine. So the president's budget is coming out second or third week in March. I don't have a date yet. We're going to be looking for some of the same things we were looking for last year. You know, what are the what's the investment in water infrastructure? What's the proposed investment in the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative? What's the proposed investment for other programs around the region that matter to us, such as research and um, and monitoring and invasive species and habitat restoration? So we still look at some of the same things we look at every year and we'll be looking to see how the president proposes to invest in those funds. Also, what's the commitment to environmental Justice. We expect to see that carry forward, um, but we'll be looking for those sorts of things.
1: And I also know on a specific, we talked, we began the conversation talking a lot about invasive carp um, and there's a big bill that's referred to as WERDA, (laughs) the Water Resources Development Act that comes up every couple of years. And this year is a WERDA year where Congress has to debate that. What are we looking for in that bill? Because I know that funds a lot of different water stuff, but particularly our our invasive
0: uh, carp issues. Well, the Water Resources Development Act is the big water infrastructure bill, and Congress is that they that they get to usually every other year. It's a it's a every two year cycle, and they fund a lot of work of the Army Corps of Engineers. So, what we're looking for in that, specifically for the Great Lakes, as I talked initially about the Brandon Road, the project that's being constructed in Joliet, Illinois, to stop the um, spread of carp from the Illinois River into the Great Lakes system. And so, we 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 talked about how the Um, Army Corps engineers invested infrastructure money in that to sort of fund the first phase of construction. What we're looking for in the word of bill is a policy change to make that project 100 percent federally funded. Um, Most water infrastructure projects are, are cost shared with states and local governments. Um, there's usually a what's called a local sponsor for them. So when the project is authorized, the federal government is going to pay a certain percent and the state is going to pay us or the local sponsor is going to pay a certain percent. So right now, under current law, the Brandon Road project is funded at 80 percent federal and 20 percent local, with the local sponsor being the state of Illinois. But in this case, the project is really benefiting all eight Great Lakes states as well as two Canadian provinces, so it has national and international benefits and regional benefits. And so we think, along with the eight Great Lakes states governors, as well as a host of other organizations, that Congress ought to change the cost share and make this project 100% federally funded because of its importance with invasive species, but also because the technologies the core is um, implementing have national um, importance and can be used elsewhere. So we're looking for a change in law that would say rather than paying 80%, the government's going to pay 100%. And many and many representatives around the Great Lakes support this. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Congress deals with this in the in the Water Resources Development Act. I will note that there's some positive developments here. Um, the Shore Act, which is a, a series of measures to deal um, helping coastal communities deal with resilience and other things, that's mm-hmm. been introduced by um, Senator Carper and Delaware um, and Congresswoman Lisa. Uh, Blunt, Rochester, and the House also has um, co-sponsors, Republican co-sponsors, contains the word of language we're hoping to get for Brandon Road. So that's a good thing. And I hope it's indicative that there's support for this um, in other areas of the country besides the Great Lakes.
1: Yeah, that's great. You know, we we talked a little bit about accountability and the fact that, um, you know, Congress has a lot on its plate. Um, You know, so I'll just note for our listeners that it's really important to be in touch with your elected officials. Um, We make it easy on our website, greatlakes.org, to send a letter to your members of Congress about all of these, this sort of larger package of Great Lakes priorities. Um, And I'm curious, Don. you know, sometimes you feel like when you send a letter or you make a call to your member of Congress, it kind of just goes off under the ether, right? Um, You might get a form letter back. But do members of Congress... Listen to those, you know, when when people call, especially their constituents, when they call and write.
0: They absolutely do. Um, I know that when I've placed calls, the first question back from the person answering the phone is, you know, what zip code are you calling from? If you're calling the House of Representatives, they want to know do you live in their district. Um, senators care about whether or not you live in their state. Um, but I do believe they pay attention. They're tracking the mail. They're tracking the calls. Um, It is a representative government and and, and it does matter. Sometimes I know we feel like, you know, we get no answer or we get a form letter back or something, but that's just because of the sheer volume of of calls and letters they get, but they do pay attention and it is important. And so I think one of the things that's important to us um, at the Alliance is just, you know, when when citizens want to contact their representatives is providing them with the information they need to make, you know, beneficial calls. So they they do pay attention.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, knowing that Congress just has so much really important, huge issues on their plates, you know, hearing from supporters um, about and their voters about Great Lakes issues is really important just to make sure it stays on their radar. And so when you're talking to congressional offices, they might have a memory that somebody in their district cares about this too. So, well, thank you so much, Don. This has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you taking the time today to speak with us.
0: Jen, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening. If you care about the lakes, please take a minute to write your representatives in Washington and urge them to support Great Lakes Protection. Your voice makes a difference. On our website, greatlakes.org slash lakeschat, you'll find links to more information about the topics that we talked about today and a quick form to send a letter to your elected officials. Special thank you to my colleague, Michelle Farley, who produces this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you'll know when the next episode drops. Talk to you next week.